Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. I remember when I was early in my career, uh, and, and, and I was in advertising. I used to be in advertising and marketing at AT&T, you know, Bell South and AT&T. And, and I remember back early in my career when I was in advertising at AT&T. And at that time, we were, gonna do, we were doing a series of TV commercials. And the, for these TV commercials, we hired what was, at that time, a big-time star to be in our TV commercials. Some of you may remember her, Emmy-nominated uh, actress Dixie Carter. Some of you remember Dixie Carter, of course. From uh, She was on shows such as Different Strokes and uh, Designing Women. Of course, she was the big star of Designing Women. And, uh, and, and, and it was very interesting because we had her, I mean, I was part of the client, and so we were the ones paying the bill, and man, Boy, I can't even tell you, this is this big time kind of bill. I mean, we're talking about multiple six figures, you know, per 30 second commercial. It's unbelievable. And, and there was a huge production crew. We were up in Nashville, Tennessee. There were probably, I don't know, 40 people uh, on and around the set from craft services to the production people, to the director, to the, to the actors and the thing, to the, to the client, which was us. Me and just a couple other guys were representing the, the company. And and I just remember, uh, it was my first time on a big-time kind of commercial shoot like this. And, and I, I recall meeting Dixie Carter, of course, and she was just so uh, eloquent and uh, polished. And, uh, and so anyway, it got to the time where we were filming the commercial. And, and in the commercial, Dixie was, uh, was in a, rest, it was a restaurant scene. And so she was sitting in, at the restaurant table talking to somebody else, and she had a number of lines she was delivering to the person she was talking to. And I'll just never forget, I mean, I, it was Dixie Carter. I mean, she was a big-time star back in those days, you know, I mean, huge, huge. And uh, married to Hal Holbrook. And, and, uh, and so I was listening, just as the client, you know, sitting there in the director action, they started it, and Dixie read her line. And it's a, it's a 30 second TV commercial. It's pretty short lines. You know, it's not like a lot. And so I thought, wow, when she gave her lines sitting there at that table at the restaurant, all the cameras around and stuff, I, uh, I thought, wow, that was amazing. I mean, that little line, but she just was able to turn it on like that. And I, I was so impressed. And then they said, okay, cut. And they, they, they said, okay, well, we're going to take it from a different angle. And say so they did a different angle, did more or less the same thing. And then, and then at one point, she said, I tell you what, uh, she said to the director, uh, Ron, uh, uh, just keep, keep the camera rolling. I'm going to give you a few different options to use, and you can just pick which one you like best. And he said, okay, Miss Dixie, 
Roll it, action. Okay, and they started again. And then she gave the same line, but it was the same line, completely different than she had given before. And it was so amazing and, and believable. And I thought, oh, I just kind of was like, oh, man, I'm just watching. I thought, mm, that is really good. And then she paused. The camera was still rolling. And then she gave the exact same lines, but in a completely different way. And I thought, oh, my gosh, that is so good. Oh, my gosh, that is so good. But it's so different. And she did that like five or six times, just going. And, and, and by the end of it, I, I, I sat back and I thought, wow, you know what? I learned something today because, you know, these, these actors and actresses that are, man, there's a real skill because it was so impressive how she would just do it over and over again, but, but all different, but yet it was amazing every time and how she could just turn it on like that to be able to deliver these lines in such a believable way, but different way. I was so very impressed with that. And so I, I'm just sitting there and then we finish up shooting for the day. And it was the first day of shooting. We were shooting for a week uh, up in Nashville. And, and I was very impressed. I mean, you know, this is a big time star, Emmy nominated, the whole thing, major, major league actress. And I, would then, I was then even impressed at watching her in, in, in her action doing it. And, and so we finished up the day. And of course, most of the crew kind of went on their own way. But as the client, we brought Dixie back to the hotel, uh, the Vanderbilt uh, in, uh, in Nashville. And uh, of course, and so we got to, it was myself, one other client, uh, that was working for the company, and then there was the director and the producer and Dixie. We were all there at the, at the hotel dropping Dixie off for the evening at her hotel. It was, of course, a you know, <laughs> fancy hotel in Nashville, probably the fanciest hotel in Nashville. Very nice. And, uh, and so we were there, and we dropped her off, and we said, okay, Miss Dixie, you know, we'll see you tomorrow. You'll be picked up at this time. Da, 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 da. And she said, well, where are, you go- where are you guys, where are you gentlemen going? She had a wonderful, beautiful southern accent, you, some of you remember. Where, where are you gentlemen going? Where are you guys going? And we said, oh, well, Dixie, we're going to our hotel. We're at the Hampton Inn. <laughs> you understand that, that the company doesn't, uh, you know, allow us to, as employees, we can't, we can't stay here. We, we were staying, <laughs> we can't, the company won't reimburse, you know, the, and, and she said, what? And she said, well, we'll just have none of that. And she said, just follow me, please. And, and we're like, what? And so there, we wa- there she walks, and she leads us to the front desk of the, of the Vanderbilt. And she says to the attendant, uh, can you please bring the general manager out here, please? And the front desk person, of course, you recognize she's a big star. Uh, yes, ma'am. And we're waiting back. The general, <laughs> general manager, I'll never forget the general manager came out. And, uh, and, and Dixie Carter said to them, uh, you know, in that southern charm she had, she said, you know, uh, I sure do. I sure am enjoying staying at your beautiful hotel. Now, my friends here from uh, AT&T, uh, they sure would love to stay here as well. But, you know, they only can, they're only allowed a certain amount reimbursed from their company. And I'm sure that you guys want their business and are willing to match the rate. <laughs> 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 I'll never, I, I was just watching and I'm like going what and the general manager looked at her Dixie Carter was like yes ma'am we will match that rate absolutely and she said okay just bring your stuff on over here boys you will be staying in Vanderbilt here today <laughs> and I thought wow I was really I was like 
I was in awe of the whole thing. It was so incredibly impressive. I thought, you've got to be kidding me. And it, 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 was, it was really an experience. You know, it was something that was really neat, unusual, and different. And what really struck me about it, you know, honestly, is that Dixie Carter cared. She cared. She, like, legitimately cared. Here she was, a famous star that was on television, number one. It was like the number one show on television for years, Designing Women. You know that. And, uh, but she cared. I mean, this was off camera. She, she was getting her money, trust me. She didn't need us for anything. She was, she was getting paid. But she cared. Although she was a star and seemingly bigger than life, she cared about us, you know? And, and that really spoke to me and said something to me. Uh, about her, and, and, and it was very, very impressive, and it, was, it touched me and, uh, and, and, and moved me. Isaiah chapter 49, please, Isaiah 49. It's interesting because when you look at the Bible, I want you to listen to the words because this story that I've just shared with you about Dixie Carter is something that, that relates to something that I think about uh, and something we see in the Scripture I want you to, as I read Isaiah 49, starting in verse 14, I want you to listen that the, the words that God uses to describe Israel and his Jewish people when he restores us from our rebellion toward him. So in this passage, what you're going to be listening to is how God, the creator of the universe, describes his Jewish people, Israel and such, after, even after, of course, and after he restores us from our rebellion. So think about, and when you listen to this, I want you to think about the tenor of how, of, of how God feels about us and about people and about the Jewish people, but just how he cares. Isaiah 49, verse 14. But Zion said, Adonai has forsaken me. Adonai has forgotten me. Uh-oh, has God forgotten us? 15. Can a woman forget her nursing baby? Or lack compassion for a child of her womb? It, even if these forget, I will not forget you. God says, Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Mm. Now, yes, friends, this, this describes a people group, but people are comprised of individual persons. I've noticed that sometimes when we think about God, we consider him so superior, which he is, but we consider him so superior that to us he becomes completely unrelatable. In other words, what real connection could God have to us mortals? Then, Perhaps we consider that in heaven, we'll be worshiping him. And that's very true, much like we did today. And thinking of worshiping God, our creator, comports with our own understanding of the God-human relationship. We worship and we bow down to him. 
And you see, that's very valid. That is the truth, and that is valid. And that certainly is an important part of the God-human relationship. And, and oftentimes, I think that's a little bit easier for us to grasp that part of it. It makes sense to us that God is way up there and, and, and that he's so holy that we just bow down to him. And that's true. However, that said, there are a number of passages in scriptures that paint a more nuanced picture of the God-human relationship. And I'd present to you today that a better understanding of this will help us in cultivating a, a relationship with our Creator, a better relationship with our Creator. If we better understand the God-human relationship and we get the fuller picture, it's going to change our own relationship with our Creator. Because I'm going to tell you something, my friends. God's relationship with man is not so impersonal. It's not so impersonal as it might seem, uh, just looking at it from the outside with throngs of people bowing da down. God does not look at us merely as a number. God does not look at us as a number at all, in fact. The only number that he probably knows about us is the hairs of our head, right? <laughs> the very hairs of our head. Think about this for a minute. Think about what it said in Isaiah chapter 49. Regardless of who he's speaking of, in this case, he's speaking of the Jewish people, but regardless who he's speaking of, the God of creation says that he has engraved a people on the palm of his hand. Man, achim ba'achayot, brothers and sisters, that, that is unbelievable. The scripture says he cares for us more than a nursing mother does her baby. That's what he thinks of you. That's what he thinks of you. That's how he feels. It's incredibly intimate it's incredibly intimate and it's even more intimate and unbelievable and dis disbelievable when you understand that we were coming out of rebellion we were coming out of rebellion it's, it's hard enough to understand the God of creation loving us if we're really good. I mean, what, why would he even care about us as individuals? There's so many, and he created everything and could start all over, snap his finger, do nothing. But how much even more so because the whole point of Isaiah 49 is it's when Israel and the Jewish people are coming out of Shaking our fists in God's face, no less already. Out of rebellion. And then he says these intimate things about how he loves us. It's unbelievable. This is not, this is not a picture of a faceless, uncaring God that is indifferent to the human condition. On the contrary, this is a picture of a God who laughs when we laugh 
and who cries when we cry. Matthew 26. Another one of my favorite passages that really conveys this point in a very visceral way, truly, and intimate way, is in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Garden of Gethsemane is unbelievable. It's an amazing place. I'll I'll take you there this October. Susan's been with me. Cindy's been with me to the Garden of Gethsemane. Others of you uh, here have been with me. It's unbelievable. I'm taking a tour this October. It's a special place that still exists. Okay, Yeshua had just partaken of the Last Supper, which was, of course, a Passover Seder. And within hours, he would be crucified. This is right here at the pinnacle of the whole story, the pinnacle of almost the whole story of, of, of time, really. And, and so within hours, he would be crucified. But first, to prepare, Yeshua went to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and, and his prayer is, is relevant and important and and. and What all happens thereafter is important, but I want to focus on a different part of that story. Uh, Verse 36, then Yeshua comes with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he tells the disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took along Peter and Zebedee's two sons, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he tells them, my soul is deeply grieved, even to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. How interesting. Have you ever thought, why? Why? It's not like he needed guards or something. Stay here. Keep watch with me. Other translations quote Yeshua is asking his closest friends to tarry with him. Tarry with him. Stay, stay, or remain. What is that? In the the Greek, the word is menate. Menate. Menate, to abide with. He's asking them, abide with me. Keep watch. Stay with me. Menate. It's interesting because... Why does even Yeshua even care that his closest disciples abide with him at this point? Really? But you see, in this, my friends, we see the nature of God in that although he's clearly, unequivocally, undeniably a superior being, he cares for you. He cares for us. But also, he relates to us in a way that reveals the heart of God is one of great tenderness towards us. See, that's different, right? It's it's different than than how many people perceive God as, as being way up there and just having very little to do with down here and, and my life in particular, your life in particular. It's just not the way it is. What, why does he even care? And you see it even more as the story goes on. Matthew 26, verse 40 says, then he comes to the disciples. He's been praying. He goes back to them. And what does he find them? Oh, you know what it is. Oy, gavalt. See, they're sleeping. <laughs> then he comes to the disciples and finds them sleeping. And he tells Peter, 
So couldn't you keep watch with me for one hour? Yeah. Yeshua so clearly cared. Honestly, when I read that, he seems even hurt. It's, it seems like it's... It seems like he's thinking, you know, you know, God does so very much for you, right? And yet, here were the guys, and they just weren't making that extra effort, it seems. It's like Yeshua knew what he was about to do. He was about to be on a tree of sacrifice for them. All that he had taught them, all he had done for them. And man, they just, they couldn't even hang with him there. It's, it's, it's hard it's only hard, you know, it, it seems like for him that that's hurtful. It's only hurtful if he cares. Because he doesn't need them there. He could call a thousand angels down like that. What does he need? It's not like he was guarding the, the flank to make sure nobody got him in that moment. He, come on. But he cared so much that they were there with him. He wanted that support. He wanted that communion. He wants that relationship with us. He wants that relationship with us. Why, man, honestly, you got me? That, that's a good question. I, I think when we get to heaven, that's probably one of my questions. I don't, you know, which, which reminds me of the psalmist, right? What is man that you're mindful of him? <laughs> What is man that you're my, the psalmist had the same question, Bob. Why, why do you even care? Well, especially about individual men. I mean, maybe the whole story about the United Nations and the, all the wars and stuff like, okay, maybe you care about, no, 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 no. He cares about you individually. What is man that you care for us? It's unbelievable. But clearly God cared about these Disciples, because you know what? They were, they were really more than that. John chapter 15, the word abide, the word manate, manate, to abide, which he uses here when he says, stay with me, manate in, in, in Greek, is to abide, abide with me. It's really more than just stay here. It, there's a deeper word, there's a deeper richness that's in the text here. And it's the same word in the Greek that's used in John, where Yeshua says in verse four, abide in me and I will abide in you. It's the same word. The branch cannot itself produce fruit unless it abides on the vine. Likewise, you cannot produce fruit unless you abide in me. Skipping down to verse nine. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. Wow, this is very deep. See, Yeshua is asking for us to abide in him, of, to abide in him, to stay, to wait, to endure. But here in John, Yeshua also tells us that he will abide in us. 
So he will wait, stay with us, endure with you. That's awesome. Wow. The abiding goes both ways. Wow, that's remarkable. And then he tells us that if we abide in God's love, that his joy will be in us and that our joy may be full. Get that for just a second. I mean, this, this, is, this is some big time kind of stuff right here. He cares about your level of joy. He cares about your level of joy. Yes, even in crazy pandemic times, he cares about your level of joy. Now, you got to think about that for just a minute, that Yeshua cares about your level of joy. It's really a remarkable thing because let's be honest and think about it. Let's think about this just very logically. You only care if somebody else has real joy if you really care about them. I mean, that just makes sense, right? If, if you don't care about somebody or if somebody's just a number, a widget, God makes the widgets, okay, and all of us are widgets, if that's it, then goodness, he's not going to care if we have joy. We're just a number. Who cares? What difference does that make? That, we see here that's not the way it is. He doesn't look at us as a, just a number, just a widget. No, 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 no. He cares that our joy is full, Man, you know, when you think about that, I know when I think about that, I think about my own children. Man, I, I care for, I want them to have joy in their lives, right? I know you guys do too, right? You got one of them with you here today. You want their joy to be full. You, and why do you want their joy to be full? Because you love them so much, right? You really care for them. I mean, that's just, that's how God is about us. He cares for us individually. It's unbelievable. It's really amazing. We're not some pawn that, that, that the gods have on a board to play with. No, he abides in us. John 15, moving down to verse 15. Therefore, and it's just like, as if that's not enough, Dainu, we got Passover coming up. By the way, we're not having a big congregational Seder this year. Sorry about that, everybody. Next year, big Seder. Next year, big Seder. Anyway, John 15, 15 says this. Yeshua said, man, mind-blowing. I am no longer calling you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. Now I've called you friends, because everything I've heard from my father I've made known to you. That's remarkable. 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 Remember in Isaiah 41, God also, we read that God also calls Abraham his friend, right? You see this, a friend. I mean, I get the, I get the going and, 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 and bowing down, and I, I get that from Revelation, right? We read about that in Revelation. I, I get that. I get the, the going and, and bowing down at the throne, and, and all of us throngs of millions of people, every knee shall bow. I get that. I mean, that, that makes some intuitive sense, right? This is the God of creation, the creator of everything that is, the creator of the universe. It makes sense. You bow and you worship, right? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. That makes sense. But him calling me friend? No, no, no. no. That, no that, that, that very much does not make sense to me, honestly. But this is how it is. This is, this is the nature of God. 
It's, it's amazing. It's, it's so humbling. It's like, whoo, boy. You know, it makes me feel just, man, it should convict you a little bit, you know, shouldn't it? <laughs> like, wow. What an honor. What an honor. And, and, and you see time after time after time in scriptures that that's the way God feels about that. Remember in John chapter 11 when, when, when Lazarus dies. Lazarus was one of his friends. And the scripture says that Yeshua cares so much about not only Lazarus, he knew he was resurrecting Lazarus, but the pain that Lazarus' family felt when Lazarus had died. He, he saw that pain. Have you ever grieved? Have you ever grieved? I know I have. Man, I tell you what, I, sometimes I still get messed up about my mom. A lot of you knew my mom. So I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I'm still messed up with that. It's hard. Grieving's tough. And, but Yeshua knows. Yeshua understands and he cares. He was so overcome by the grief and, uh, and of his friend having died. Scripture says he weeped. He wept. He weeps. He wept. He wept. The empathy there is, this is God. The empathy there is off the chart. He wept. That's how much he cares for you. What does that tell you? What does that tell you about what he feels about you? Think about that for just a second. I'm going to stop. Think about that. What does that mean he feels about you? But what does that also tell you about how you should treat him? <laughs> because, friends, we must abide in him. You have to tarry with him. You have to keep watch with him. Because all too often we become distracted or weary, just like the disciples. All too often. We've been virtual, as you all know, for probably nine out of the last 12 months. Have you remained faithful to God and his commands? Or have you faded a little bit? Do things have to be on your terms? Or will you abide with God regardless of if you're on a mountaintop or if you're in the Garden of Gethsemane? Whether you're in the synagogue or at home. Whether you have a mask on or not. It shouldn't make the least bit of difference, brothers and sisters. We should abide with God and not become distracted by the situation around us. Period. All he did for us. Matthew 26. Back to the story. When Yeshua found his friends sleeping, what did he say to them? He gave us a lesson here on this topic, verse 41. Yeshua says, keep watching. Remember he had told, he had told them before, stay and watch with me. Keep watching and praying so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, 
The flesh is weak. The flesh is weak. We get out of the habit. I know that there's some of you who were very faithful at the start of the pandemic, but now less so. There are some that never missed a stream of the Shabbat service, but now you miss too often. You faithfully gave of your finances at the beginning, but now less so. You faithfully prayed and read your word, but now not so much. You steadfastly reached out to your neighbors at the beginning of this thing. Remember when the pandemic hit and everybody was checking on everybody else? Are you okay? Can I get you something from the store? Is everything all right? Now you become complacent. The spirit is willing. But the flesh is weak. It's hard to keep that up. It's hard to keep that going. Can't you keep watch with me for one hour? Can't you keep watch with me for one pandemic? <laughs> abide in me. Yeshua says, and I will abide in you. And remember, friends, one of the main reasons that he wants for you to keep watch with him is that he desires a relationship with you and he wants for you to have joy in your life. He wants for you to have joy in your life. Full joy in your life. So my friends, as we close, yes, we need to keep watch. And you know, when I think of keep watch sometimes, Bruce, I think of where the scriptures tell us to keep watch and to be alert eschatologically for Yeshua's return in Mark chapter 13. But I'm talking about something different. I'm talking about it in a different way. I'm, I'm asking for you to keep watch, to tarry with Yeshua, to abide with Yeshua, not to become complacent or weary the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. To abide with him as you would a best friend. He's given his life for you. To understand that he feels for you as someone he cares about personally. He cares about you personally. So much so that he's asking for you to abide with him now, to keep watch, to keep watch with your friend. Don't go to sleep spiritually, beloved. The title of my message is Keep Watch. Yeah, let's bow our heads. Thank you, Lord. Mm. I want to ask if there's anybody who's here who's never said a prayer to receive Yeshua into your heart. If you're here and you've never committed your life to God, but you would like to, wherever you are, just lift your hand and we'll have a simple prayer together. If you've never said that prayer to receive Yeshua into your heart, but you'd like to. 
And if you're watching online or listening on the podcast and you've never said a prayer to receive Yeshua into your heart, repeat this prayer after me. Dear God, I ask Yeshua to come into my heart. I believe that he's risen again, sitting at your right hand. Please forgive me of my sins, God. I'm sorry. I'll live the rest of my days for you. Thank you, God. In Yeshua's name, if you said that prayer for the first time, please send us an email or give us a call. We'd love to just celebrate with you. For everybody else who's watching and who's here today, my prayer is that you are to keep watch, to keep watch, to stay steadfast with Him, but also to realize the intimacy that you have with the Lord. It's interesting because as the psalmist earlier sang, dance with me, lover of my soul. I I thought when they started singing that, I thought, wow, that really relates to the message. Why? Because when you dance with somebody and it's, it's the lover of your soul, that, that's, that's, a, that's even a different picture than merely bowing down, which, which again, we're going to do. It's important. We worship God for sure. But it's not just bowing down, but it's that intimacy that when you, when you dance with someone, right, that, 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 that's a relationship that is different. You know, that, that's, that's a very close, that's a loving, caring, mutual relationship abiding with each other so maybe you guys can just do a little bit of dance with me just for a a minute and and then we'll let the lord we'll close out our service here today but just let the lord speak to you on an intimate personal level as you consider that he's the lover of your soul stand up in here.
God, and, and so we desire to be close to you, Lord, and we thank you, God. We thank you, God, for, for caring for us in, in, in a way that seems disproportionate to me. But thank you, God, that that is the relationship with, we have with you. By the way, God, also, I thank you that that is our faith. That is an expression of our faith. Our faith is not dry. Our faith is not just merely, purely rote tradition. No, 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 no. It is relationship. And I thank you, God, for that. I thank you for the relationship we have with you, recognizing that you alone are God. You alone are our creator. Thank you, Lord, for this. We give you thanks for it. Bless you for the Shabbat. B'Shem Yeshua. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah or how you can become part of our Bethlehem family, please visit our website at www.bethhalel.com. Dot org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L dot O-R-G. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and shalom. Nine, 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 nine.